0: Well, hello folks good morning welcome to the fellowship um this week's uh, advent focus is love pretty excited about that i, I love this subject uh, i think it's a good topic um contrary to probably most couples my favorite movies are rom-coms carol's favorite movies are action movies so but we, we each enjoy both i think um, anyhow so the Advent of love or the coming of love that Jesus brings. Uh, When we think about love, we get all sorts of thoughts and ideas in our minds. Um, What the world says about love, what Scripture says about love. Maybe we think uh, the most probably well-known verse on love is John 3.16. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And, you know, it seems like you can't go to a wedding these days without some... Cousin of the bride who didn't quite make the cut for bridesmaid, getting up at some point and reading First Corinthians chapter thirteen um, in there somewhere, just to kind of include her and include that. Uh, it's a great chapter. Nothing against that chapter at all, or the cousin, I guess. But that just seems to be the, the pattern I've seen. Uh, but this morning we're going to look at a little bit different aspect of love, um, one that maybe we don't always consider, but it's still I think it's still very striking. Still. It stands out to me a lot. Our text is uh, Matthew chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-five. Um, it's the rest of the chapter after the begats that Aaron was going to read, but I didn't want to make him do that, so um, we we had the the song. Uh, but so basically, verse seventeen sums up the begats. It says, "So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations." And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. So um, that sort of sums up this. Uh, Matthew lists these ancestors um, in these 14 different generations, these three tiers, and uh, this numerical approach to his genealogy. He skips some uh, direct ancestors. You know, he, he goes from a grandfather to the grandson or great grandfather, and so on throughout here, but it's to keep that numerical thing. And uh, earlier this week, Carol and actually Caro and I were actually having a conversation, and uh, she was wondering she was wondering like why do we go through Joseph, his stepdad, for his genealogy, for Jesus' genealogy, back. Um, and I mean, it's not a blood, it's not the bloodline of Jesus. So why do we record that? Why is that important? And I said, well, you have to wait till Sunday to find out. So yeah. now you get to find out. Um, <laughs> basically, we do that because. Um, you know, Luke captures the bloodline through Mary, Luke chapter three. But um, by Jewish law, Jesus would have had um, all of the rights of a as an adopted son to Joseph. Jesus would have had all the full birthrights and inheritance as as a as a blood relative, as a biological heir. And also, as we will find out in verse twenty-two, when we get there, it's so that it can fulfill prophecy. So there's a lot more that goes into us, this, whole, um, this whole bloodline back through the Davidic king line. So the king line is the next enthroned, and it goes even through the Babylonian captivity when there wasn't really a king, but it's who would have been king during that time. And we kind of looked at that a little bit when we were in the Minor Prophets. Um, but I mean, there's a whole deal with Solomon and them telling him, You know, your descendant is no longer going to be king, your blood descendant, and Jesus is not blood descendant, but guess what? He's king. And so it's fulfilling all these prophecies throughout all that. Um, And then Mary's genealogy records it all the way back to Adam. We start with Abraham here. And so it's pretty, that's why it's important. That's why we go through Joseph. Um, So let's pray. We'll get into this text, look at it a little bit, and talk about love. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you open up your word to us now, open up our hearts to your word, help us to uh, be overwhelmed by your love for us, um, by the love we'll see this morning in this text, and just our love for our fellow man, um, fellow Christian, fellow non-believer in the world around us, help us to uh, show love during the season, during this time of Advent as we're approaching Christmas and looking forward to the coming of Christ. I pray that you help us grow us in love even now. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25 it says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way, while his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they became to toge- but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph her husband to be was a righteous man, And because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will... Conceive and give birth to a son, and they will give him Emmanuel, and sorry, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but he did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. So, uh, verse 18 talks about this engagement or this betrothal. They were betrothed, and that was uh, more than. You know nowadays it might be the we might think of it as the equivalent of a promise ring or something. You know, I know that was a big thing when I was a teenager. Boyfriends giving their girlfriends a promise ring. It's like we're not really engaged, but I promise that one day I'm gonna engage you. Um, I always I never got that, but apparently that's a big thing. Um, so this is more than um, this is more than that. This is more than even an engagement in our day because um, you know, Joseph's friends, if they had heard about the situation going on with him, they couldn't go to him on a boat somewhere with their company party and say, you know, big freaking deal. She's engaged, but she's not married, so whatever. Um, that's, that's more than this. Basically, they were, um, this betrothal, this engagement, would have been like a legal kind of a connection for them. They would have, to get out of this engagement or this betrothal, Um, two ways, uh, well, basically death or divorce are the two ways you could have gotten out of it. And so, and of the two ways he could have divorced her in this, it would have been, one, he could have taken her and made it very public through a court, or he could have taken her and done it very privately with just two witnesses, given her a document with just two witnesses and and done it kind of on the hush-hush. And it says that's how he intended to... To break this union. When he when he found out she was pregnant, it says, um, because Joseph, her husband to be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. That's verse 19. Um, so he's just gonna do this very privately. He didn't want to disgrace her or anything. It says he was a righteous man. Not um not that he and his self had any righteousness to him. He wasn't a special person that was different from all of us, he was still a sinner. He still needed a savior to save him, uh, but he was righteous in the essence of he did what was right. He did he chose right things to do. He lived a holy life um, throughout. So that that's sort of I don't want it, there to be any confusion on that. So when this Old Testament law, when Old Testament law would have said when she's found pregnant before they were married and before they had had any kind of relations to get her pregnant. Um, so she would have gotten pregnant outside of that marriage relationship. Um, the penalty for that is is death. She would have had to be put to death for that. That's a pretty strict penalty on that, but that was the, what the Old Testament law said. And so the aspect of love I really want to look at is is Joseph himself, the love that he had throughout here. It's very striking to me because Joseph's just this dude minding his business, and here he comes This woman he engaged and remember, he's in the line of the Davidic king. He's in that lineage. It goes through his line. We've just talked about that, and then we have this story, 18 through 25, talking about what what his experience was whenever he found out Mary was pregnant and how the Holy Spirit had to go and convince him. But he's just this guy living his life. Um, Apparently, he saw something in Mary that was enough that he wanted to betroth himself to her, and they were going through that whole process. A betrothal would last about a year before they would actually get married, have the ceremony and everything, and so they were, uh, you know, all of a sudden the woman he's betrothed to turns up um, pregnant, you know, I don't think I would have behaved the way Joseph did. I don't think I would have reacted this way. I would have... I would have been hurt, I would have you know, thrown a fit, and it would have been a much bigger deal, I think. Um, but I'm, I'm not Joseph. But also I think Joseph had a, a true love for Mary. Joseph's love for Mary was deep and to the point where he was willing to break the law for her. Remember, the law says she should have been put to death, but he was just gonna divorce her privately and let her go about her business and handle her business privately in a different way. Um, but he he didn't. Eventually, he didn't do that because the angel of the Lord came and visited him, obviously. But he wasn't going to um, he wasn't going to do that at all. He was just going to, you know, privately not make a big public spectacle out of it or anything. Um, and this would have brought shame on him. People would have looked at this and been talking about it. They would have brought it would have brought a lot of shame on him and his family, um, and he wouldn't have had the same status in society as he had had before because of this situation. And so he was, uh, he was, you know, taking on a lot just to, just to divorce her kind of privately, just to let it go privately. But then, um, verse 20, you know, the angel came to him. When he was contemplating this, the angel Lord visited him in a dream, and he told him what was going on. You know, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is uh, toward the end of verse 20. Um, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This would have just given me a lot more questions. I don't think I would have been that accepting as Joseph was, but he did. He says, she's going to give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Um, And then the angel doesn't say this. This is just Matthew saying that this all happened. Like Matthew is wanting us to know, wanting them to know this all happened. To fulfill that prophecy that Isaiah said back in Isaiah chapter seven, look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him, um, they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so, this love that Joseph has for Mary is enormous, um, and really, to me, it's unexplainable. There's no reason that any normal guy should have this kind of a love, except that the coming Christ is already instilling this love in him. It's because of this Emmanuel that's coming, this God with us that is coming is going to save the people from their sins. And then verse 24, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but he did not have marital relations with, marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son whom he named Jesus. Whom he named Jesus. So the father names the son, and that's what Joseph did. He named him Jesus. So not only is Joseph's love great for mary his love is also great for jesus as well his own son he took him in he raised him as his own Um, so he had a great um, love for him he named him he named him jesus or joshua in the old testament is the same is the same name but he named him jesus the lord is salvation literally is what the name jesus means and so um, and then he raised him he raised him up um, treated him like he was his own um, You've heard me talk um, about several of my friends throughout my time here already. Um, you've heard me talk about my friend Matthew um, or Tat Matt has the people, you know, I worked with him at the drug rehab and all the other clients called him Tat Matt and I was plaid Matt because I always wear plaid and even though, you know, sometimes he would wear plaid and stuff. Uh, but uh, Tat Matt or, or Matthew I should say, he um, he got married to a woman while we were working together who had a son and his son, the son was, I don't even think two years old yet. Um, But, and I don't know when him and this woman started dating, but it's not his kid. And he loves that kid. He raised this kid like it's his own. This kid calls him dad. I don't even know. I don't even know if his kid has the same last name as him or not. He might have his, his real dad's last name, but the real dad didn't really want anything to do with the kid as far as I know far as I remember, but um, he raised him as his own and he loves that son. He loves that kid. He calls him his son and it's a, it's a beautiful thing that he does that. You know, it's a beautiful thing for anybody to raise someone else's kid that isn't theirs. um, Especially in a situation like that. Um, You know, adoption is, is a wonderful thing as well when somebody adopts a kid as well. Um, But I have other friends. It seems like um, there for a while, my three closest friends um, all had similar situations. My, my buddy Jason that I've talked about that passed away, um, my, my buddy Tony, and my buddy Paul. And before my wife starts looking at me funny, I got permission to speak about them. So don't worry about, well not Jason obviously, but I think you'll be okay with it. Um, <laughs> but all three of these guys um, didn't have father fathers in their lives, they didn't have dads that were involved in their lives. Um, Jason reconnected with his dad as an adult, and they started having a stronger relationship. But all three of these guys—all <laughs> three of these guys—had youth ministers in their lives that um, made connections with them um, and went really above and beyond what a a youth pastor should should be for any student. Um, they started becoming more like father figures. My buddy Paul had um, mine and Paul's mentor Kenneth step into his life and. It was more than just uh, it was more than just you know having having this showing the student more attention on on Wednesdays and stuff. But um, he would go to lunch with them on Sundays, like just to, like he was one of their other kids. Um, I mean, that continued as Paul was an adult and Paul had his own family. They they would still go to lunch together um, when they were still at the same church and everything. Um, but I mean, Kenneth would put bikes together for Paul that you know he would get and do all the kind of fatherly things that that a a father does with a son a dad does with a son um Kenneth uh sorry Tony had um Jerry who was his youth minister who um you know they would sorry I hear stories of Tony talking about like on on Sunday nights when they would you know take all the youth home that were there so they'd ride the church bus and Tony would sit at the back as they're dropping all these kids off because he knew that he was going to be the last one dropped off and he was always going to get his Jerry time. And so he'd get to go sit up front when everybody else was dropped off. And uh, the conversations they had, and, you know, when, when Tony was slipping off the rails and Jerry was, you know, really asking him direct questions about some of the sin he was walking through and stuff. And, um, you know, it's just a beautiful thing that, like when I texted Tony and asked, "Hey, can I mention you? I'm preaching on Joseph. I want to talk about you and Jerry's relationship." Um, he sent me a picture. He's like, "This is from a couple of weeks ago." So they're still super connected. And then Jason had a guy named Layton Lockett, who was his youth minister, who stepped into his life and loved on him the way that Joseph loved on Jesus. And we don't we don't hear a lot about Joseph after really when Jesus was 12. We don't we don't know much after. When Jesus is going through all his ministry, we don't see Joseph. We can only assume he, he passed away at some point in there. Uh, but he still was there to serve his purpose for his time. If you look back at verse, um, it's not one of the verses I read, verse 16, it says, uh, let see, the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born, who's called the Christ. Oh, sorry, B- beginning of verse 16. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. Now, jump back to verse 2. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah and his brothers. Uh, one of Judah's brothers was a guy named Joseph, who his brothers sold into slavery, who went and suffered greatly. Out in Egypt until um, he, the king found he found favor in the king's eyes because he could interpret dreams and whatnot. And then the king put him in charge of all of Egypt, second in charge behind the behind the pharaoh. And he started um, doing great things. He he had two kids with, ironically enough, Potiphar's Potiphar's daughter after the whole Potiphar's wife thing happened. His Potiphar's daughter gave him a couple kids in the years of um, not famine, in the years of feasting, and then during the years of famine when his brothers came back to visit him, he had that whole experience, and after their dad Jacob died, and they embalmed him and took him back home, um, it's just, it's the way that whole story works together is incredible how they're in Egypt, a place known for embalming people and have preserving bodies for years and years, and that's where Jacob dies. That's where Joseph eventually dies. They embalm him too. But after they take him all back, now his brother's like, ooh, now that our dad is dead, maybe Joseph's going to start hating on us again. And they, they ask him about it very timidly. And he, he says, you know, I was put here for a reason. I was put here um, for this very moment that I was, was able to get us and our people through this famine, through this hard times. Um, God put me through all that for this time, and Jesus, who is, you know, the son of Joseph, who is the son of another Jacob, you know, the same direct lineage. There, he is born for a time where he's gonna he suffers greatly for us, and he's born for such a time that, you know, when we go to him, he's gonna say, "Look, this is the reason I was here. This is the reason I was put through all this." is for this exact moment where I can offer you salvation. I can save my people. He's going to um, save the people from their sins. And it's just an incredible story. Um, When we consider this... uh, Anyway, when we... uh, Consider this Advent season, we talked about uh, maybe getting like an Advent wreath with the candles that we lit every every week. And it was, it was really this lesson that made me steer away from it, ultimately, um, from lighting the candles. Not because there's anything bad about that or anything else. I think that's great. Next year, maybe that's something we do. But um, this year, specifically talking about the gift of love, it steered me away from that. Um John 13, 34-36 says, I give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, And so uh, we don't want to light candles in here because I wanted to let our light shine for for everyone, even outside of here. Um, I want us to be filled with this love that will shine out for everyone. Um, If there's any... Neil Diamond fans in here, I would tell you to let your heart light shine. To turn on your heart light. Um, Let it shine wherever you go. Let it make a happy glow for all the world to see. So if you're not a Neil Diamond fan, maybe we'll just uh, keep it biblical. So here's a verse about that. You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Stay alert, stand firm in the faith, show courage, be strong. Everything you do should be done in love. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been fathered by God and, and knows God. The person who does not love does not know God because God is love. By this love of God is revealed in us that God has sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God resides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we reside in God, and He in us, and that He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God resides in Him, and He is God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has in us. God is love, and the one who resides in love resides in God, and God resides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because just as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves with a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If someone happens to have a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also forgive others. And to all these virtues add love, which is the perfect bond. Above all, keep your love for one another fervent, because love covers a multitude of sins. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain In my love, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this to love one another just as I have loved you. No greater love, no one has greater love than this that one lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves, because the slave does not understand what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, because I've revealed to you everything I heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. This I command you, to love one another. And that's my encouragement for us today, for us to love one another and for us to show God's love to those around us. Uh, love covers a multitude of sins and I have I have many and love brings grace to us. Love brings joy and all that love comes because Christ brought that love. And so we should be encouraged by that. Let's uh, pray and then we'll have a final song. Lord, I thank you for uh, this word. I thank you for this example of Joseph and his love. I thank you for the example that Joseph gave us to to love others in a way that can only be explained because you first loved us, because you chose us and we did not choose you. you are our friends. so we can follow after you seek you and then show your love to others thank you for loving us Lord thank you for your word and thank you for this time where we get to slow down a little bit and focus on you and your love what a gift it is we pray all this in Jesus name Amen. Amen